Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports-loving ladies, Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Welcome in, welcome in on this chilly Tuesday evening. I was just telling you all that uh, anybody going out to either of those baseball games in town tonight, the college baseball games, bundle up. Like, Do not be one of those people that's like, oh, it's not that cold. No, it really is with the wind <laughs> blowing. We were at UNF, as you heard, as UNF plays host of Florida. The first pitch uh, probably just happened. And then JU plays host of Florida State tonight. And it was 56 degrees. Yes, and the wind is blowing. I'm telling you, my New Jersey in me is like, I shouldn't be laughing, and here I am (laughs) laughing at 56 degrees. (laughs) And I get like 56 when you're from up north certainly doesn't sound cold. There were years, Lauren, in which I suffered through, and this wasn't in New Jersey, but this was going to school in Ithaca and then living in Iowa. We would go three weeks below zero. Or in Ithaca, my senior year, we went two weeks without. Well, no, we actually, we were two weeks below zero there. In Iowa, we went two weeks without seeing the sun. And um, yeah, and so that's why, like, you know, it gets to 40 and you're like out dancing in the street because it feels amazing. And uh, now here I am, 56 (laughs) degrees is too cold. And it's one thing if you're prepared for it. Yeah. Uh, It's just quite the other. And that's why I'm warning people if you are going out to the games, bring bring blankets for sure because of that wind. All right, let's talk about the new Jaguars defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. Mia, you got to ask him some questions last week. What were your first impressions? And to me, I, as I told the guys, he reminds me of Dale Earnhardt Sr. Yeah, definitely gives off a little bit of vibe of, a, or at least the the mustache and the, the getup, perhaps. Um, a couple people joked with me. They're like, yeah, he didn't even have time to brush his hair. He's so focused on grinding tape and getting this roster together. He doesn't have time for that. No, I mean, I, I've been lucky to speak with a lot of my contemporaries up in Atlanta, and they had told me, they were like, trust me when I say this guy will be a head coach in the next five years. Um, Um, extremely put together what he wants, who he is, what type of defense he's going to run. He took the time to speak with each of us for an extended period of time time before and after the press conference, which was very nice. Um, He got up close and personal with the columnist, um, if nobody else. So uh, that was entertaining to watch from afar. I did Um, notice that he called – I think Gene was the only person he called by name. Yeah, because he talked to him for about eight minutes before he got up on the podium. But, hey, that means name recall, very important thing, very Mm -hmm. underrated quality to have in 2024 in general, let alone as a defensive coordinator of a National Football League operation. Um, So, yeah, no, I was very impressed with him. Joe Mixon is. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Um, I, I did a little bit more intel over the weekend, and I know the guys in the locker room have been impressed. Um, I think he has been a bit perturbed with what did and didn't go on here um, from a really? coaching philosophy. Yes, um, you know, basic things like alignments that maybe weren't really discussed at length um, or at all under the previous regime, and uh, maybe – some meetings between different position groups that probably should meet together, if not every day, then, you know, at least a couple times a week with each other and um, just didn't happen. Um, So, yeah. So some of that has been a bit jarring, I think, for Nielsen. But I I think that for the players, it makes them realize, like, oh, my goodness, like, we were able to do what we did last year, and that was without – actually having somebody who is trying to put us in the right position to succeed with our own skill set. So that's good news. Right, and that may suggest that maybe you're closer than you think because if 
that defense we saw last year was inflated by takeaways and otherwise didn't know where they were supposed to be half the time and was giving up everything cheap mm-hmm. and a lot deep too, yeah. then, you know, that maybe that suggests that if you could get this group of guys to play to that scheme, mm-hmm. maybe that is that's a lot easier to that that's an easier road to hoe than to just say we need to go get all new players yeah. for for a defense for like the third time in five years. Yeah, and I think one of the things that popped out to me, the the cheap and deep comment obviously was one of them, but I also think that he talked about talent and how there is talent on this football field but or on this football team, but the talent only gets you so far. There's things that go into making a winning football team beyond just saying, hey, these guys are good, they're athletic. You know, we, And I think that's why sometimes – Last season, for example, maybe our expectations were higher than what we thought because we did see so much talent in places uh, that had been lacking previous years. And also, so when you have that, when you have teams that had struggled on many levels and you do improve, even though you feel like that improvement can take you into this massive leap. And it goes beyond that. It goes into, and we saw the fundamentals start getting lost when it comes to tackling and stuff like that later in the season. And I think all of those things are what it seems like he really wants to focus on of, hey, you've got to tackle, you've got to not let these he spoke a lot on the like deep balls or the easy stuff um, because that's something we saw a lot late of quarterbacks just being able to kind of do what they wanted to against the Jags defense and it wasn't like that earlier in the season so him being able to figure out where things got lost seems like where his mind is like hey we know we have the pieces to do it obviously we're going to add a few more but it's there we just have to figure out the next steps to make them a winning football and consistent. Yeah, and I think we did see quarterbacks like Jake Browning and Joe Flacco and Ryan Tannehill, you know, pretty much have their way with yeah. the this team defense. And yeah, you start to wonder, okay, what's wrong? And I'm not saying that at any point in time during the season, I thought Mike Caldwell would get fired. That's not where I thought Doug Peterson's head was, especially knowing they were friends and everything. But in the end, obviously, when the evaluation process happened, I'm sure Doug talked to people around the league, Mia, and was like, um, yeah, our team, especially our defense, is not playing the way that other defenses are. They're not improving as the season goes on, unlike certainly the Chiefs defense, for instance, the best in the league. And it's crazy to think, because I was among those who was like, man, maybe this thing's coming together. Little to be realized that, hey, uh, behind the scenes, maybe there wasn't as much work getting done as it looked like it was translating to the football field. And mm-hmm. I think that the takeaways and the thing takeaways mantra, it's not a bad mantra to have. I mean, by all accounts, there's a reason that this team – was able to do what they did, and that was why for the first at least 11 weeks of the season they looked extremely high-functioning. But, yeah, it just reared its ugly head. And I think, again, we will never fully know what happened, who did what, she did this, that, the other. But it will be interesting to see in terms of preparation, Mm -hmm. maybe the lack thereof reared its ugly head at the end of the year. And maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah. Maybe it does. I don't know. But it, it, if nothing else, from what I have been told, um, and this is not just from somebody I talked to over the weekend. This has been for several weeks from, my, from what I've heard from a couple different people. Um, not really sure uh, how many adjustments during the week, how much practice, attendance. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of question marks there on the defensive side of the ball. And that's why it got to a point where I think it was unstable. It was just toxic. And they had to make the sweeping changes that Doug Peterson did. Yeah, and another thing he said was the the process is never ending, which I think is important too because I feel like the Jags kind of had this mindset where they were winning games in the beginning and things were working. And instead of when things started to feel like they were beginning to fault, 
in places. They were like, well, it was working already, so we just got to get back to what we were doing rather than possibly making changes, moving guys around, playing certain guys more. And it seems like he's the kind of guy because he was very vocal about it's you know where the player plays best rather than a scheme technically. And I think that's what's good for them. Obviously, the aggressiveness, we've talked about that a lot and the lack thereof for the Jags last season on both sides of the ball. And that's another focus for him. And I feel like at this, at this day and age when you're facing the offenses, especially who the Jags have to face in the AFC, you have to have that aggressive go after the quarterback, get the turn, you know, force some turnovers, um, make those tackles. All of those things are so important and anywhere in the NFL, but especially when you're facing Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and some of the best quarterbacks in the league. And so I, I liked it. And obviously we've, people have been won over by other press conferences sure. in the beginning. Um, so it's, let's see, let's see this get translated onto a football field and, but it sounds like he has the mentality of what we've been kind of screaming for the last couple months. And he also seems like he's going to connect really well with the players. And I think that's something maybe I thought the last two years that Mike Caldwell was doing. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like as, as time has gone on, maybe that wasn't the case. And Obviously, this defense it wasn't the whole reason the team didn't yeah. make the playoffs. Oh, by the way, it's not like we're sitting here going, well, the defense was to blame. The offensive yeah. line was great, yeah. and Trevor never got touched, right? Yeah. Like There were obvious issues on the other side of the ball, too, uh, but Doug Peterson's not going to fire himself. Yeah. Now, you could talk about whether or not he's going yes. to change the play calling and things like that, yeah, but he's obviously not going to fire himself. And so, yeah, I liked Ryan Nielsen from – I watched it online. I did not attend in person. He just seems like a, a guy who is serious about his business. He's going to play aggressive defense, which I love. Mm -hmm. And look, if, if you're going to try and beat the best in the NFL, like you said, Taylor, you better get after the quarterback and you also better be able to cover. Yep. That's certainly uh, two things that the Chiefs were able to do mm -hmm. this season. All right. Any news on the franchise tag? Has anybody been franchise, not Jaguars wise, but has anybody even been oh. franchise tagged around the league already? No. In the two hours and 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. that it's been open? Exactly. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen until two weeks from now. Um, I don't at least envision, especially given that so many of those names that are potential franchise taggies. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to roll with it. Um, it, it like, Why not? You would hope a T. Higgins in Cincinnati could come to a deal. You would hope a Josh Allen and the Jacksonville Jaguars could come to a deal. Baker Mayfield, by all accounts, literally the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hired Liam Cohen because Baker Mayfield is going to be their quarterback. And yeah. so, again, you would hope that a deal gets done in the next two weeks, especially with the NFL Combine next week and a lot of agents and general managers, boots on the ground, having those negotiations there. And so that's why, yeah, the the whole, the tag opens today. It's like, right. yeah, well, t come talk to me in two weeks. It's not like the opening of free agency, yeah. the first okay. day of free agency. The, the it's tag of frenzy. Right, we were like talking about this on primetime. And like, I understand from Leon and a former player's perspective, there is a negative connotation when it comes to the tag because you're not being allowed to explore your full net worth and you are not allowed to explore all employment opportunities. I totally get that. But a lot of times the tag, yes, sometimes it can have that negative connotation of like, we just want to hold you ransom for a year until we figure out what to do with you and make you earn your keep. But a lot of times, i.e. Evan Ingram a year ago, where he basically all but lost all leverage because he said, yes, I want to be back. I want to be back. I want to be back. And the agent was like, we want to make a deal. And Trent was like, I want to make a deal. And so it was just to extend the window and to make sure that he his services were retained while they came to an agreement on an extension. And so that's where like, you don't always have to use the tag with this negative connotation. Sometimes it's because you hit the deadline and you're like, Oh wait, I need a little bit more of a window. It's kind of like getting a tax extension, quite frankly, like the tax, you know, my dad's an accountant, if you didn't know this. So April 15th, we know in the O'Brien household, that's not really the deadline mm -hmm. for your taxes. Unfortunately, folks get them done before April 15th. Um, 
But the reality is you can be put on extension. In my viewpoint, that is what the franchise tag can often be. Right. The only tricky part is when you've got two guys eligible for the franchise tag, yes. like what the Jaguars have in mm-hmm. Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley. And if you use the franchise tag on Josh Allen, then you don't have it available for yeah. Calvin Ridley because you only get one. And then you're in a situation where do you let him fr- hit free agency or do you send him to an extension? But you're not going to do that because then your third round pick becomes a second round pick to the Falcons. And so I think that's where the pressure is. It's obviously on on keeping Josh Allen as a Jaguar. But it, moreover, it's do you want Calvin Ridley to stay here? Because if you do, then mm-hmm. you better not franchise tag Josh Allen. Yeah. And I, I get the player side of it because I think a lot of these – obviously your ultimate goal is to have that that comfortability of a contract that goes beyond uh, one season. Um, Especially for me, I think someone like Josh Allen who just – was setting records in the NFL and for the Jaguars of what he was able to do this last season. So he's like, hey, I just put up the numbers that you guys have been asking me to do. Now put up your numbers that we des- that I've deserved. And when you're not, you're kind of saying – you're. You are kind of like holding them hostage in a way. I think that there's they're still getting money, and especially you're getting that average of the top five, so they're and getting it's paid. Yeah, but I think for anybody, if your job's like, yeah, well, you can work here for one more year, and then we'll see about it after that. Like anybody would be a little bit upset about that. Yeah, and obviously everybody wants the long term deal because of that guaranteed money. That's yeah. where the NFL is obviously different than Major League Baseball, different than the NBA. They want guaranteed money because you can get hurt. Yeah. At any point in time, and the team at that point is not going to owe you anything uh, unless you have guaranteed money. All right, we've got more to do. We'll talk mock drafts. We'll talk CJ Stroud. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at Untention XL 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Taylor Dahl is here, Mio, Brian, J.J. Silva. I am Lauren Brooks. We are with you until 8 o'clock tonight, talking football and a whole lot more. We'll talk some basketball as well. All right, so after Ryan Nielsen, the new Jaguars defensive coordinator's press conference, a lot of people were saying that it sounds like maybe the Jaguars will go after a cornerback, which a lot of people thought before the press conference that I think other positions were more likely. Mm-hmm. But after the press conference going, okay, well, maybe John Shipley of Sports Illustrated has been right all along because he's been leaning towards corner. So in the latest NFL.com mock draft, you see the Jaguars at 17 taking Toledo cornerback Quinion Mitchell. What do you think, Mia? Did you walk away from that pre- press conference going, all right, the Jags may go DB? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Coach Campo and I talked about it. Sure. You can walk away from that press conference and feel like, oh, my goodness, he really values press man corners. Do we have press man corners in Jacksonville? Do we have cornerbacks and defensive backs that can do that? Doug Peterson has admitted that football is headed towards a seven-on-seven game anyways. You need to strengthen your secondary. And then I stopped for a second, and I thought about what words did Ryan Nielsen keep referring to throughout the duration of his introductory presser? Attack. Mm Mm-hmm. Get after the quarterback. Pressure. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly covering the back end goes hand in hand with that, but do either of those three things, any of those three things, require the efforts of a defensive back, of a cornerback, to get after the quarterback, aside from if they're on a blitz? Yeah, the answer would be no. He also specifically said there are a couple good pass rushers right. here. He didn't say there are multiple good pass rushers. Mm-hmm. He specifically used the word couple, couple. good pass rushers, <laughs> right. and I was like, ding, 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 he understands. <laughs> yeah. Right, especially when you look at that. There are Atl- only two. Right, and when you look at that Atlanta Falcons roster from a year ago, it wasn't anything to cry home about, but guess what it did have? 
depth. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they faltered down the stretch, in addition to all the quarterback controversy and the fact that they couldn't complete a pass to three generational players with Bijan and Kyle Pitts and Drake London, but the story for another time um, was because Grady Jarrett got hurt. Yeah. Some of their other veteran defensive guys got hurt. And so then that rotation, that depth was tested. And so that's why I fully expect, personally speaking, in free agency, I expect Ryan Nielsen and the Jags to go on a little shopping spree, not to the tune of the 2022 Jaguars offseason and not to the tune of the Falcons 2023 offseason, but I expect a lot of his guys from Atlanta, from New Orleans, that are cheap. You can negotiate deals, i.e. the Contavious Streets of the world, Bud Dupree, can you get him on a, a, a prorated contract with incentives? Marcus Davenport got hurt again in his one year in Minnesota. Can you sign him to a one-year prove-it deal? And all of a sudden, you're starting to flesh out that defensive front with guys. Now I say all that, and that's where Coach Campo kind of swayed me. Mm-hmm. Ryan Nielsen, if he has a say with that 17th overall pick, they're probably going pass rusher. I would think that's more important to him, knowing that they only have a couple of pass rushers in-house. Yeah. So, Well, in addition to adding to your front, bulking up your front, creating pre- consistent pressure, getting to the quarterback – those things help your secondary eventually. It's the, right. that trickle down. It's going to make it easier. It doesn't yeah. matter who's back there if they only have to. Cover. But you want them better, right? <laughs> you want, but you, yes, but if still. they only have to cover for three seconds, yeah, then it's fine. Like you know, if you can get to the quarterback that effectively, mm-hmm. and so that that's why you know, Coach Campo said on primetime, like he's all in on Byron Murphy, and he brings up a really good point, which is we've been hearing for months how deep this draft class is in terms of wide receivers Mm -hmm. and offensive linemen, of which the Jags also need one of those, if not multiple of those, in this draft. And I personally would go offensive line at 17th overall. But we keep hearing about the depth at those two positions and how lean it could be at edge rusher and defensive tackle. Yeah, and cornerback is up towards the top also. Right. And while you're always going to pick the best player available, trust the board. I mean, if there's an edge rusher there, and you say to yourself, we know we can get value in the second or third round at guard, then maybe we should take the pass rusher here. And I know that it's a lot of trauma to Jaguar fans of failed pass rusher first round experiments past. But, it, you know, it begs the question, because if you don't address it early, will you actually find somebody who can plug and play alongside Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and whoever else they bring in day one? Well, mm-hmm. and the question, too, is, if Trayvon Walker is moved inside, then you are creating an absolute need and hole yeah. on as far as your currently outside linebackers. But if they change the yet. scheme, then yeah, then it would be defensive end. And so there's a lot of yeah, a lot of things that we still have to wait and see exactly what unfolds. But I can understand certainly like I would love if you could draft if you told me right now you're going to draft at 17 overall someone who is like Chris Jones. I'm not saying you're going to be able to get that person Mm -hmm. in Chris Jones, but someone like him. That's where I'm signing on the dotted line right now. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, I agree. Yeah, same. And I think that, like I said, there's just so many, the amount of times last season where we felt like the trenches and that's for me, both sides of the trenches um, even when we first came out of the season, I was kind of leaning towards offensive line more so because we saw how much that needed to improve with Trevor. But this is such a deep offensive line. 
class. And in addition to that, I just think that in conversations I've had with people when it comes to the effectiveness, especially when it comes to how much it could help the Jags if they get that interior pass rush, in addition to having guys being able to come off the outside, that stuff is just so beneficial and it, it, it affects so many levels of the game. And I think that's one thing that when he talks about this aggressiveness, and that's the word that also kept popping out to me in his presser. And that is something that was just lacking. And you have to be able to not let quarterbacks like anybody, but especially the ones that they were playing later in the season, just be able to complete whatever they wanted to against you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, on Tuesday, the Frangie Show plus Mia will be at the Combine. Minus right. me, I should say. Plus Mia, uh, if you can follow all that. Uh, we'll be at the Combine, and they'll get to talk to Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke. So I'm not saying that Trent or Doug is going to give us any answers as far as who they're taking at number 17, uh, but certainly those will be fascinating conversations as far as where they feel like the team is uh, as we stand now. All right, so C.J. Stroud was on Fred Taylor's podcast, The Pivot Podcast, and there's a little banter back and forth, Taylor, mm-hmm. as far as C.J. Stroud was asked by Fred about not winning a national championship, and, yeah. and I would expect that that's still somewhat of a difficult thing for him to, you know, talk about because it, they yeah. came Ohio State came so close to beating Georgia. Yeah. And so then he kind of goes back at Freddie T, like, well, what school did you go to? <laughs> and I, as far as... As a Gator fan watching it, obviously, I had Freddie T's back. How did you take it? It was it was an interesting one to me because I kept seeing, obviously, with the Gator fans here and Jags fans here, and some Jags fans were more upset that he was just kind of, like, disrespecting Fred Taylor. And then some, obviously, Gator fans. Being, Is he crazy? He has to know, you know, he Florida Gator. And so, to me, though, the first thing that stood out was I just felt like he was more so kind of mocking the Gators, which – in his mind, rightfully so. The Gators have had like two good seasons since he's been a freshman in high school. It's just relevancy of what he's kind of faced to. Yeah, yeah. I I can understand that. Yeah, because there was, I want to say, an 11 win, a 13 win, a 12 win, something like that. But aside from that, it's been It's hard because I don't know what year he was a freshman in high school. And I went back and looked, and that's why, like, I went back in literally two seasons where you would say Florida Gators were, like, good since he was 15 years old. So that's a long time of his life. And when we talk about, you know, things relevant, there's certain teams for us, Patriots for the NFL. I don't, in my head, they've always been good because it's just been, that's what I've watched. And especially since the time when I've really kind of followed football and really understood and knew exactly what was going on and got more in depth with learning it. And so, but there's other people that are like, well, if Patriots fans are like, we went through a long time where we sucked and it wasn't that fun. Um, and so to me, that was the first thing that kind of popped out. But another thing, and I know maybe Jacks fans won't completely love this, but I think it's kind of fun. It, it is fun to have somebody that you kind of runs their mouth a little bit in your division. It, it just adds to the rivalry of things. And I had it with Aaron Rodgers for a long time when it came to the Packers. And as much as I hated him, it made things more interesting. It gave you something else to cheer against. It made those the, the games that were already meaningful for you even more meaningful because you begin to not like this person and want to cheer. And so to me, it adds a whole nother level to now what kind of was really nothing between Jags and Texans for a long time. It And I'm sure he has uh, he was seeing posts last year about how the AFC South was one of the worst divisions and the Jags were going to run away with it no problem. He was probably seeing all of that stuff and so to him it's it was it was kind of like okay, well now I can talk my talk a little bit, but I think it's just going to add, add a whole nother level to these games next season now. The one thing I'd say is no matter how old you are, you still have to respect the greatness of a school or a team. Like mm-hmm. I could never sit here and say to Taylor like, "Well, the Chicago Bears haven't done anything in the time I've been alive." 
uh, which is not true because I was born in 82, but you know, you get the point right. in the time you've been alive. Right. But I have to still respect the fact that the Chicago, Chicago Bears were one of the greatest franchises of all, are one of the greatest franchises of all time, right? Mm, so right. I get both sides of like CJ Stroud in his lifetime. Yeah, they haven't been good. But he also needs to understand, at least in my mind, that he's going on a podcast with someone who won a national championship. Mm-hmm. You didn't win a national championship. Yeah. And I wasn't. But Fred didn't say anything either. He was just kind of like, <laughs> well, that's Fred. Yeah. That's Fred. Yeah, though. absolutely. That's like he's so much better. Got... And now a division rival for the Jags. Like, you have to say something. At and that then point. you've got Channing Crowder, who also went to Florida, who's mm-hmm. just laughing yeah. at the whole thing. And, and I get it. Like, CJ Stroud right now is pretty much untouchable because of the fact of his rookie year was so incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And so... Although, the, you see the reports about uh, Allison, whatever her name is, at the NBA All Star game. Mm-mm. I saw a report that he's. Dating someone famous. What is JJ? That, is that Amber Rose. Amber, Rose? yeah. So Amber Rose and him are not dating. Oh, okay. But she was going to the NBA All Star game and he gave her a ride or something. I don't know. How scandalous. I sent it to ET T- over the yeah. weekend. <laughs> TMZ, was like, go get it, but don't make yeah. it a long commitment, is what he said. <laughs> TMZ had some, like, of course, report about it. And I was just like, oh boy. Yeah, everybody wants to jump to the conclusion that now he's going to be a terrible quarterback because he's dating a famous woman. Which even I, though he's not, not actually dating, dating. Or he's, he's not a Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some word on the streets if the text line wants to inform us. Yeah. Maybe he is dating her. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I but love yeah, how the Jacksonville text line <laughs> might know this. Hey, they may listen. Somebody's got to be listening out there that knows um, because I, I just saw it in passing and I was like, oh boy, they're going to try to paint it as like now he's the the bad boy. Mm-hmm. Um, look, boy. I, I mean. Like, for me, it was more so the tone. The tone just came off as, like, punkish a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, like, independent of the fact that it was Fred. Like, it could have been, I don't know, give me somebody. Like, Sean Sean Alexander won a national title, right, with Alabama? No? Okay. No? Thank you, JJ. I could hear that. Um, Give me somebody. Like, like, um, Mark Ingram, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe he's like dissing, like talking about LSU in the same light that he was talking about Alabama, but he went to Alabama, but he, you know, that he like somehow disses Mark Ingram, you know? Like, I would still feel the way that I, like, I was kind of just like, all right, that's the tone he's coming at. Like, take the Fred in the Florida, mm-hmm. you know, affinity out of it, you know? Yeah. Like, that, that was just where I was kind of like, eh, I, I get he's performing. Yeah, that's why I was like, I didn't get that vibe at all, but I, I mean. And that's the interesting part is none of us were physically there yeah. obviously so how in the conversation when with the pivot was over did they have more Start banter back and forth yeah, yeah were they laughing or was Freddie T like you do understand that yeah. Florida won a national title in 1996 I was on the team and then oh yeah one in 06 and he 08. was like I wasn't born so right but in 06 and 08 he was born <laughs> barely, so like barely. but you have to at least like I said like I I was not necessarily alive during some of the greatest dynasties in all of sports, mm-hmm. but I can't sit here and be like, well, yeah, the Lakers and Celtics like never had success in my life, and they have, but you know what I mean. Like that's the thing. Like I think, and that's at least how I was raised on sports is you have to respect the greatness, even if you didn't watch it mm-hmm. in person. I think we still we do the same thing with like Dallas though, where we're like, okay, well, it was since not until the early '90s, and people constantly kind of mock their their playoff drought and how many playoff wins they've lack of playoff wins. So, and they were one of the best for a long time. So we do that. It's just what we do in sports when you have that little extra something to go back with somebody. But I guess it would be, and I think more of the reactions of the guys, how Fred didn't really say anything. And then there was laughter around, Mm -hmm. like that's why maybe I got more. So the vibe that it was just like guys talking in there, you know, like sitting at a sports bar, having a conversation. And that's how, that's the vibe I got from it. Yeah. And like I said, I bet there were there was conversation after, yeah. and I'm sure there. I'm sure he'll be on their podcast again. And I don't think it was like, 
how don't like ever talk said, to me again. right Florida fans <laughs> and Jags fans took it um by the way we're gonna do around the NFL next segment but and then we'll have Miranda in in the seven o'clock segment to talk players and we have a giveaway so of course I keep it right here for that but I can't wait to talk some college basketball with Mia because I feel like I just had to defend Florida football a little <laughs> bit and I'm gonna have to defend Florida basketball coming up uh you are listening to Helmets and Heels driven by Tartlett on Tenton XL 92.5 FM Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans. We're about to go around the NFL, but Taylor, I have a very important question for you. Have yes. you ever been to Underbelly? I have, yes. Isn't it times. fantastic? So I went for the first time last night for a concert, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is a hidden gem in downtown Jacksonville. Have mm-hmm. you ever been? Where is it? It's, it's on East Bay Street, yeah. like a mile uh, west of the stadium. Oh, so right on Bay. Right it's on Bay pretty Street. Pretty close to Calford. Oh, no, yeah. then I have not been. I was going to say, there. I know there's a couple um, theaters slash like, I, there's some yeah, other- Florida theaters. Yeah. Are Florida theaters. It's on the next block over from- And then there's Florida another Florida. one over there. So yeah, but no, I've not been to Underbelly. Well- It's fun, yeah. It was so great. Yeah. I absolutely recommend it, whether it's like you're pre-gaming there and then going somewhere else downtown for a show or if they have a concert there. I'm assuming mm. that's why you've been to concerts. Yeah, they they do a lot of like, pop punk okay. or like harder stuff there, but also they do emo night there. So like oh. every last Thursday of the month, they have like emo night, but it's just a DJ, but playing all the old okay. like emo songs. So I've been a couple times to that, uh, ones that have like lined up if I was at Daly's place for something yeah. else and it, fa- it fell on the same night and I'd go over. Um, but it is, it's great. I, they also, I don't know, did you know they had food? Yes, so I knew that. Because it's yep. barbecue. Yep. Delicious. Barbecue, they have turkey bourbon, legs. and live music. They have oh, turkey legs that are Taylor delicious. Taylor loves herself a turkey leg. <laughs> turkey legs. And they make their own pickles, which I'm a big pickle girl, too. So they the first time, because I think I actually was getting like a pickle back. I was like, oh, can I? do you have pickle backs? And he was like, oh, we actually make our own pickles here. And I was like, don't tell me that, because <laughs> I'm just going to be munching on pickles. I'm never that. leaving this place. <laughs> yeah, so it was so great. And because of the bourbon, uh, I had a couple old fashions mm-hmm. during the concert. And I was like, I feel so high class. <laughs> and I just had no idea what to expect, because I'd never been there before. Yeah. Uh, and the concert was a guy who's kind of like Jack Johnson, because most people have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people have not heard of Donovan Frankenrider. Uh, and so that's who it was. But it was it was literally so much fun. And so, yeah, I was like, we got to talk about Underbelly and give them some love because, uh, like I said, I think it's a hidden gem. All right, Taylor, tell us what's the latest when it comes to your beloved Bears. Oh. Well, it's honestly just majorly dramatic right now. <laughs> Everything. I, the newest thing is that Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears off of Instagram. So no! That is the most bra- the most That's recent breaking That's worse than CJ Stroud dating a famous We need person. some dramatic music under this, <laughs> yeah. JJ. This is a very important so, moment. A- immediately, Bears fans, of course, there's the pro-Justin group and there's the time to get rid of Justin group. And We call them pro-Caleb. Yeah. Um, they, we, they literally call it the Justin cult and the Caleb click is what oh, everyone's calling. Oh my god! Um, it's an, are it's people insane. wearing t-shirts so you can identify There's, them? Well, the Caleb click has started already buying his jersey. There's oh, multiple people sense. posting that on there, but um, they're even they've started like screenshotting other athletes who don't follow their team. Speaking of CJ Stroud, does not follow the Houston Texas on Ist- Instagram. So if that means anything to anybody, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I in my head, my first thought was kind of like, how many times a day? 
does somebody go and check like who he's followed? Because how do you know he even ever was originally following or if it didn't happen months ago or I don't know. So I don't really know how people figure this stuff out. But I did see uh, crazy Texans fans, speaking of CJ Stroud, are already looking at Saquon Barkley. Oh, yes. That he's following Tank Dell <laughs> and he's following some uh, other members. They're intense the about Texans. the social media side of who is following who. And I'm like, you guys got to relax a little bit. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't I know relax. who has time. I don't know to how to search it, things. to be quite honest, half the time. Like, especially like when we're doing different giveaways or like market analysis. We've been doing a lot of that lately in the multimedia department. Like sometimes to try to find the like search followers button on various social media platforms is very difficult. So the <laughs> yeah. fact that people are just out here readily looking up who follows who is insane. <laughs> it's, they have too much time wild. on their hands. So that's the most recent thing. Um, I, I guess over the weekend, the bigger news, I guess you could say, is the reports came out that the Bears have not decided what they want to do. And that was kind of every every move that they've made when it comes to who they hired as OC or what restaurant Ryan Poles went to over the weekend was some sort of sign of if they were keeping Justin or trading Justin. By the way, um, as a Bears fan, taking aside or taking the Justin Caleb part out of it. Don't you want the team and the leadership to know now what they're doing? And and I I mean, I guess, but <laughs> I, I think that, and I was saying this in Crosstalk, Ryan Poles is like a big character guy. So I think that he wants to this, get the, to this interview portion and really talk because there has been some like things that Caleb's not great when it comes to um, learning from people. He likes to learn his own way, doesn't really listen to coaching all the time of the way it's supposed to be. So there's those little indications. So to me, I feel like that's the one thing keeping them okay. from fully committing and he wants to talk to him himself. That's that kind of And that's just Kyler an assumption. Murray. Yes. And so and those are all room I don't know. Um, it's just things that I've heard. And so that's where it kind of seems like they're at to me. Um, because it just, I, I truly feel like they'll trade Justin Fields and they'll draft Caleb Williams. That's where I'm at right now. I don't know when they're going to officially announce it. Now there's rumors that, okay, maybe they'll keep both of them and wait until camp and see if someone gets injured or something happens and then try and trade Justin or just let them battle it out and figure Which, it out. Which, as a fan, I would love that. I would love to let the best man, may the best man win. win. And oh, by yeah. the way, how many backup quarterbacks did we see last year yeah. have to play for their team? So you, then you already have a quarterback. Here's a problem, though. What if Justin beats out Caleb? Then you... And what if Caleb gets exposed as not the quarterback everyone thinks he is? Because then what are you going to get him for? Pennies on the dollar? Yeah. But at least if he's not the quarterback, you have another quarterback. <laughs> yeah. We draft and I'm him wrong there. <laughs> That's the one thing I've always said. Like, you, even if you have a quarterback that you like, you have to have a quarterback you love. Yeah. Never forget, Urban Meyer kept Gardner around long enough to make sure that Trevor won the job. Mm -hmm. oh, so yes. it has been done before. It's it's truly wild. And, and it's not even, honestly, like... Caleb is the clear cut because I've also heard Drake May. I've heard that there are guys in the building that really like Drake May more than him. Um, Jim Harbaugh came out and said that J.J. McCarthy is going to go one overall. And then all of a sudden, he's been talked about a ton. And people have now are posting about his film. And like, oh, maybe we missed some things on J.J. I'm like, let's not like make this too difficult. Because Jaden Daniels, you didn't mention him either. Yeah. And a lot of people like him yeah. second to Caleb. Yes. And so I've done the last couple months, I've talked to multiple people. I did a Caleb episode, Drake, Jaden, Michael Penix, and J.J. McCarthy. And obviously, the people who cover them are going to say most of the good things about yeah. their people people that they just followed but it mo a lot of them even the draft guys do have Caleb and Drake closer than maybe some other people think they are um so it's just gonna be interesting but I, I had a one specific clip because I actually talked to 
John Filippo over the weekend. And obviously he was here with the Jags in 2019. He was with the Bears the next two years. He was on the Super Bowl team with Philly um, the year they, they won the Super Bowl. So he's been on teams that have won a Super Bowl, and he's been on teams that have won three games, and he's kind of seen it all. But he was there for Justin's rookie season. So I reached out to just see if he would join me to kind of talk about – because there was also rumors that Justin Fields was not the best rookie quarterback teammate. Um, so I kind of wanted to see his thoughts on that, and that was the main reason I reached out. But it ended up he kind of went into detail, and he in the clip is like us putting Justin aside. This is not ju about Justin Fields, and started talking about just quarterbacks in the league in general and the way that things have how you've seen them be able to work. And he was talking about Patrick Mahomes and how obviously Nagy came from Kansas City to Chicago and was was very vocal about it was the best thing that could have happened for Patrick Mahomes sitting that year, and how that is the way to really get these quarterbacks to be the best they can now they need to sit a year and learn and obviously not everybody has the opportunity to do that but he goes on so I have a clip that I want you guys to hear because this is just in general about how he feels uh when when teams are deciding if the quarterbacks are their franchise quarterbacks or not do you I'm, I'm gonna talk about I'm not I'm not I'm talking about any quarterback here I just want to make that clear yeah okay I'm not talking about Justin Fields here does does a kid love football okay is he obsessed with Playing quarterback in the National Football League is not a job. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Does he have that quarterback lifestyle? Does he live, breathe, and eat football? Is football on his mind 100% of the time? Or maybe, let's say, 95%, and then 5% of the time you're out there doing some of the things that your agent wants you to do. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, number two, what's this, what does this young man do in terms of when he's in the building? Okay? Does he is he a show-up early guy, or is he the last guy in the building? Is he the first to leave, or is he grinding it out with the – you know, watching the third down tape one more time after practice. Um, how does this young, how does the young man interact with his teammates in the locker room? Has he earned the respect of his teammates? You know, that's a, another huge piece of, of being a franchise quarterback. And not everyone has to be Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees and, and Peyton Manning and, and these guys where you're rah, rah, rah. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of really quarterbacks that have led by example and, and maybe a, a little bit more of a quiet leadership. So the leadership to me is, is, Everyone wants to talk about being rah-rah all the time. I've been around a lot of really good quarterbacks that have not been that way, and their teammates respect them equally as much. So this, the whole part just kind of stood out to me, and especially because, and Mia, this is you've been around Trevor a ton. Um, you've talked to him. You've done one-on-ones. You've had all of this experiment, uh, all of this experience with Trevor, and I have not been around to really have these any of these conversations with him. But – I feel like the last couple months I have heard things um, of just kind of how maybe he isn't the guy who football is his world and he's really talented and it makes up for it not being his world. Had you got, do you get that vibe at all from Trevor? You don't get that vibe from him one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. Um, again, you know, we've said this for four years now, almost four years. He says all the right things, mm -hmm. does all the right things. He, we, we forget he was named the captain as a rookie, and granted, that was a very young team in 2021 that was doing the voting, but he obviously earned the respect of guys like Marvin Jones Jr., who's a veteran, guys like Josh Allen, who had been around the league at that point for a couple of years. The list goes on. As far as the loving football thing and the obsessive football thing, I think that that is where Trevor has been challenged this mm -hmm. offseason by more than one person, ranging from his head coach to people in the coaching community, to the fan base, mm -hmm. um, which I think he's still currently in South Africa right now, which, hey, listen, take a vacation. Yeah. I am okay with that. Work hard, play hard. That's fine. Um, but I think that 
when we look back at the career of Tom Brady, and in my opinion, and maybe it's from being close to the subject by proxy, Mm -hmm. when we look at what Brock Purdy is doing, I have always said that I would compare them, not because I think that Brock Purdy is going to become Tom Brady, but because those are examples of players that do not have the God-given ability of a Trevor Lawrence or a Peyton Manning. But they are so obsessive about the position Mm -hmm. that they will do every little thing to milk out every little ounce of talent that they do have. And then they can compensate for the lack of talent by being between the ears. And so that's where I think Trevor has been challenged. And listen, we saw Tua Tagovailoa get challenged in that same regards by his head coach, by his former head coach, uh, and much of the Miami community. We saw Lamar Jackson be challenged, be placed on the franchise tag, Mm -hmm. to have so many people say, no, you're not doing enough. And so I don't think it's a bad thing that Trevor is being challenged in that regards, but I do think that that's kind of the conversation now is we know he loves football. We know he works hard. We know he's one of the first people in the building during the season, but is he so obsessive to the point of some of these other quarterbacks to reach greatness yeah. and to be a top five quarterback of all time that it propels and trumps all else. Now, do you think that that conversation goes back to Doug Peterson? Is Doug Peterson the the guy that could bring that out of him? Oh, it's felt like that in the yeah. season-ending presser. Mm-hmm. And we haven't heard from Doug, mind you, since January, what was that, 8th? We have not heard from Doug since. And I came away from that press conference, and I know there's plenty of you driving around right now, driving home from work, and you're like, Oh, my God, like, Doug, like, threw him under the bus. It was awful. Like, screw Doug. Like, Trevor's our guy. The poor guy was hurt. It was very calculated Mm -hmm. when I listened back to it after being there live. And I remember being like, wow, Doug just kind of threw some barbs here and there. It was very calculated that he wanted to get under, that he knows he can push the right buttons when it comes to his quarterback, and he tried to there. I think you are either born the most fiercely competitive person yep. and, and obsessed with whatever sport it is that you're competing in or you're not. I don't think there's a way for someone to make you that type of competitive yeah. person. I, I think it's just literally in your blood or it's not. Yeah. Now you can work super hard and you can dedicate yourself, but if you don't have that gene in you to the Michael Jordans and now we talk about Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady's like you referenced and Tiger Woods and Michael Phelps, you know, that rare breed. Yeah. And obviously most people are not born with that and most athletes are not. I think Trevor's in the category of he wasn't born with that gene. That doesn't mean that he can't win Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. I just don't think from the time he was a toddler that it was, I want to spend every waking moment outside of school and, you know, family activities talking, eating, breathing, and sleeping football. See, I do think he has the competitive gene. If you've seen them playing uh, a certain sport in the locker room, Mm -hmm. um, and by that I mean the ping pong, um, if you've seen, from what I've heard, the videos of when he was playing intramural basketball at Clemson, I do think Trevor Lawrence is a competitive freak. I do think he is a guy who, like, it's grinding his gears if he doesn't win a ping pong game. Like, I actually truly believe that. But then I think because he's come up through football and there's been so much pressure, and again, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze the guy, but like it, it comes that's part of our job, right? Mm-hmm. It comes off as like, you know, at, at some point or another, somebody said to him, you need to play because you love the game, not just because you need to win and mm-hmm. you fear losing more than you enjoy winning. But that's what Jimmy Johnson did in Miami. Mm-hmm. That's what he did in Dallas. That's how they won national titles and won Super Bowls. Leon says it all the time. He feared losing more than he liked winning. Yeah. And, like, that is the epitome of just competitive nature that I just don't think, 
you know, and that's not do a bad thing that he's never been in that situation. Well, and that's what I was about to say. Do you think that some of it, in a spe- like for guys like Trevor, and we, we see it every year when these new guys kind of come into the NFL and you learn about them and you start hearing that, okay, they've been winning since they were in middle school. And so they've been good. They pretty much were the starting quarterback when they were 12 years old and they never really had to like work too hard because they were just naturally gifted. Do you think that sometimes the players who have that – maybe lose a little bit of that extra umph because they've never had to push themselves to have that. Yes. See Leonard Fournette. Mm -hmm. And that's where I I think that Trevor, again, I'm not trying to compare him to Leonard. Very different NFL career, let's hope. Um, But Leonard Leonard hit that right. Although – Playoff Lenny has a Super Bowl. Right, that's true. <laughs> Leonard, and, and he says he's going to play for four more, you know, Super Bowls and whatever else he tweeted during we'll the Super Bowl. believe it when we see it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Leonard had that moment where he had to go out to Wyoming because he was like, what I'm doing isn't enough. I haven't had to practice mm-hmm. in my entire life. I haven't had to try because I've always been the most talented player. And I think we're at that moment for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I vaguely remember, uh, either of y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I saw an interview or read an interview one time where he was with his wife, Marissa, or maybe they were just engaged, but someone asked who's the most competitive, you know, the, who's more competitive, mm-hmm. Marissa or Trevor? And I feel like the answer was Marissa. 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 Yeah. yeah, and so it's like, yes, I do think he's competitive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I don't think, like, literally, I think there are players who – as soon as a game is over, they are watching that film for the next four hours because mm-hmm. they want to figure out everything that they did wrong. I don't know that, that that's Trevor yet. And I don't know that that's who he is naturally. No. But I do think, like, to your point, Mia, I think there are coaches saying, we're gonna have to, we have to push you to be like that because there were situational issues this past season that most quarterbacks would have made the correct choice mm-hmm. with time running off the clock and and you did not. And someone way more obsessed with football is never going to make that mistake. But you can make every throw, right? So, like, I love him as our quarterback. I don't want to have anyone yeah. else as the quarterback. But my gut is Patrick Mahomes spends more time or Brock Purdy spends more time watching film and breaking that kind of stuff down and working with their office coordinator and head coach than maybe Trevor does to this point. What was that line Anton had in his introductory pressure or a press, presser? Pressure makes diamonds or something mm-hmm. like that? Yep. Yeah. Like, it's true. Like, name a pressure. And listen, having to go 15-0 and 0 as a true freshman is a pressure situation. It does help when you have arguably a top 20 all-time college football roster around you at 2018 Clemson. Um, that's a pressure situation. Playing in the college football playoff, pressure situation – but I don't think it's ever been to the point where it's been a stressful situation that puts you in the pressure chamber. I don't yeah, think he's and, been in the pressure chamber before. And let me say this, too, because I feel like I just talked negatively about him. I think the reason he is so grounded and so okay with life outside of football is because of his faith and his family and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I think he was raised the absolute right way. And that's why win or loss, he's the same person. He's consistent. And that's that makes a tremendous leader. Yeah. And I do think over the next year, yeah, we'll probably hear from him and other people around him that he has put extra time in uh, because he he is tired of losing and and doesn't want to miss the playoffs again. And and certainly he doesn't want to get banged up that much either. Yeah. And and part of that is the offensive line, a, a huge part of that. But I think part of that also is is watching film and having more consistency with your receivers. And we know we've detailed all the receiver injuries. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you could too. see towards the end of the season when the the fumbles happened. Especially, I remember the one where he kind of just tossed it yep. um he was so angry with himself and yep. that's when you see the competitive side but there I feel like there there are tiers of that and I just don't think he's at the top tier which I I don't want people to also think I'm 
putting anything. I just more so when he, when that quote, that's the first thing that popped in my head was the difference almost even between Trevor and Justin and watching every single game of both of them since they've been in the NFL. Justin is that like next level tier guy, but he's just not as talented as Trevor. And so there, that's where that weird balance is of like, you've got to have the right balance to hit that, the the highest potential. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a, a, great conversation that we just had yeah. uh, as far as just breaking down what we see certainly yeah. uh, because he is the franchise quarterback here and hopefully for a very long time we all thought maybe this time uh, this year that we'd be talking about an extension and I think that's been postponed a year because of this past season. All right, we've got more to do. Miranda from the Players is joining us next. You are listening to Helmets and Heels driven by Tyra Outlet on 10 to next on 2.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Miranda Rossum is here, the player's PR manager, and you are rocking some really good player swag, Miranda. I am. Thank you. I, I missed Valentine's Day by a week, but, you know. It's fine. We may or may not have just spent the last five minutes discussing your outfit, and uh, we really didn't even dive into how that will be available in the fan shop in just a few short weeks. It will, hopefully. This sold out last year before the tournament even started. Really? So that's a plug to get there. For the the opening weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, let Let me get the hours right. 10 to 4. Nope. 12 to 5, 10 to 4, Saturday and Sunday. Food trucks, uh, 17th hole challenges open, and yeah, you can get your hands on merch before all the vultures like me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a the reason it's an important uh, piece of clothing is it's a crop top. Correct. And nowadays, if you wear a shirt that's not a crop top, you are no longer trendy. Yes, you are chuggy, <laughs> along with chuggy. putting your I hand had, on your hip in photos. <laughs> I had to explain to my, our boss like three weeks ago what chuggy was. He was like, I heard this word. What does it mean? And I was like, well, it just means you're not trendy pretty much. Oh, like, what you're well, wearing is I've not I've never good. heard the word, but it absolutely applies to me. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. All right, so when it comes to... Military appreciation, I have heard that the tickets are pretty much sold out as far as veterans and military is concerned. Yeah, for veterans and military, everyone claimed them really fast this year. So Uh our our vet population is with it this year. I think we've trained them well over the years to claim them early. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't come out. Tuesday, Wednesday, obviously, are still very affordable. All week is pretty reasonable. And you'll still have access to the Patriots Outpost which this year we're partnering with CSX to put on. So they're going to add a lot to that experience for everyone, food, drinks, games, fun time. So don't be deterred. (laughs) Give us an idea right now, because I haven't been out there in a week plus. Sawgrass, how much of the scaffolding has been put up? How much of the other activations have been installed with, what, three and a half weeks, four weeks to go? I think the course closed yesterday, too. So. RIP to your rounds at Sawgrass. If that's what you <laughs> at least until like late March. Yeah, it's all up there. It's it's looking like a city now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people with hard hats walking around. I don't know what they're doing, but they look busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just staying away. But I think it's starting to look really cool. So I'm excited. Last week, uh, we talked a lot about the app and other things, and we completely forgot to talk about tickets and other stuff that's going on. But Let's check that so, off the list early. Yes. Yes. So we talked a little bit about the military appreciation tickets, but I want to talk about one of my favorite parts, which is the food and drinks. Any new stuff this year that we can look forward to when it comes to food? Um, I know there's usually kind of the specialty drink they have every, mm-hmm. every year. Uh, any of that stuff? Yeah, so food are 
everyone is coming back, so don't worry. Talk okay. to Lou, you know, ABBQ. Don't all back. All there. Uh, one new vendor. We have Top Dog Tavern coming okay. in for all of our Georgia Bulldog fans. There mm. are actually a Georgia bar that's in Bartram Park. And then we have a couple new food trucks coming in. And then for drinks, mm-hmm. exciting. <laughs> Sawgrass Splash is coming back. Okay. Shocker. With a 50th anniversary cup. Oh, nice. Ooh. Like, you know how they switched over to those yeah. aluminum mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. year? Or like how you have the 50th anniversary Yeti that you're rocking mm-hmm. right now for our friends watching on YouTube, Facebook, or X. Oh, no, Look at that. Look at that logo. And Lauren's rocking the hat, too. That The 50 logo is awesome. Um, do you know? So there's the 50 logo, but then there's also the 1974 logo. Mm-hmm. You, for those who, when they see that crest... You want to explain to them what exactly that is. Yeah, so they're kind of bringing back. And retro is in now, along with crop tops. Okay. Well, because bell-bottom jeans, that fits yeah. in the retro category. So, yeah, we're bringing back our 70s vibes. It's the original tournament logo from when the tournament was in Atlanta. It looks very, like, original Space Jam or, like, Olympics. Oh, I love circa, that. You know. I honestly thought when I saw it on a hat at the media day, I thought that the person wearing it, it was, like, a U.S., like, Team USA mm-hmm. from the Ryder Cup. Like I, did, I didn't realize it was a player's logo. That's it's red, cool. white, and blue. It's cool. And there's going to be a lot of that in the fan shop, too. But then we have the 50th logo, which they say is paying homage to the Island Green. I yeah, I can buy see it. it. And the Infinity. Oh, okay. I do yeah. see that now. Interesting. I didn't see it initially. Yeah, I think you kind of have to squint. Our graphic design team <laughs> might be grasping at straws there, but <laughs> I like it. It looks. I think cool. it's a cool logo, so that's going to be everywhere, and I think that it'll be really popular. And of course, the uh, the Intracoastal Club is another new activation. Um, tickets still available for that. Yep. Yep. And especially Tuesday, Wednesday, those are very reasonably priced and just a really good time. And Mia can attest that's a really good spot to watch golf. And remind our, our friends out there who have no idea what we're talking about. What is the Intracoastal Club? Yes. It's our entry-level premium experience, if you will. So if you know, you're know you not ready to go all in on a suite, but you kind of want something a little fancier than just buying a grounds ticket, general admission, this gives you private bathrooms, your own viewing section. It's Tacos on 12 adjacent, and it's just a really beautiful spot to be on course but also you can see seven golf shops from that one venue and there's also tv so in case you missed any of it you can also watch it right there which is awesome what is your favorite part from now leading up to the tournament with under 22 days (sighs) none of it no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) um i'm sleepless nights around the clock work ethic I think it's just really, um, like, problem solving. Like, I'm such a fixer. Like, I think that's from, like, my time in the Navy. Like, I'm just like, let's go get it done, team. So I like that kind of, like, corny stuff. But I always have a good time at, like, the preview party when mm-hmm. all the media come out mm-hmm. and they get a sample, all the foods for a little happy that's a hour. Yeah. That's fun. All that kind of stuff. And I think just also feeling how excited everyone else is. It makes me feel important. If you will that you are people are excited about my like what I do for work and other people actually care like mm-hmm. I think it's cool and it's important to note now your second full year mm-hmm. and so I, I think now you probably are feeling like okay you, you've gotten your sea legs under you uh, Navy pun intended hey. and so uh and and so I think for you I I see you a little I see you still you know stress because we are in crunch time but a little less stress yeah I think we're doing good you know <laughs> 
It's good to see. As your friend, Miranda, I'm like, okay, she's good. She's yeah, doing we're, all right. We're doing okay. She's I'm... just fighting the patriarchy, but other than that, it's everything's fine. fine. Yeah, exactly. Ma- making a lot less uh, trips to the executive director's <laughs> office this year, so I think we're doing good. Um, uh, not to pivot, but uh, of course we will. Uh, Tiger Woods, uh, obviously a disappointing result that he withdrew over the weekend at Riviera. I'm sure the vibe's uh, a little bit down at uh, PGA Tour World Headquarters after what that after that happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's unfortunate for Tiger. Obviously, golf is always gonna be better when he's healthy. He just brings so much excitement and to the game of golf and to the sport. And any time that he's healthy, we're so happy. And hopefully, he makes a recovery by March. How 12th. long can the flu last? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Because that is officially what they're saying. They're saying it was officially the flu. Well, that's what I had read over the weekend. Yeah. I'm, I don't spend a lot of time looking back and being You're like, not what checking exactly? his Instagram to see. I'm not checking the hospitals right. or so doctor's he, offices. As long as he doesn't. Did he unfollow the PGA. Yes, we had that discussion earlier. As long as he doesn't contract whatever uh, stomach bug myself and John Rahm got last year at the players, then I think good he's. Friend. Yes, good friend John Rahm and I, the two of us, uh, unfortunately, we contracted a bad stomach flu. Um, Since then, he's been paid $400 million. What have you been doing? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, but, but I got a nice stomach ache, too. Um, but yeah, yeah so. Involuntary cleanse. <laughs> yes, exactly. I did one a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it was voluntary. Not <laughs> but, but hey, Hideki Matsuyama, quite yeah. the comeback. Shot a 62 on Sunday. Love to see it. And we love to see that Will Zalatoris is back. Yes. He's just on the cusp of being able to qualify for okay. players, too. So because he had the whole last season off because of his back. Right. He unfortunately, is not automatically qualified. But if I believe I checked correctly, he's 54 in the world right now and he has to be ranked 50th. So oh. he, he's he's almost there. Yeah, so close. <laughs> and he's got a little bit of time yeah. to make that up. All right, we've got a giveaway tonight. Two tickets to the Wednesday practice round for the players. Plus, as if that's not enough, $25 to V Pizza, mm. one of the best spots in all of Jacksonville. So be caller number 4-641-1010, caller number 4-641-1010. Miranda, thanks so much for coming and hanging nice. out with us. And uh, we will be looking for more tips on how to be young and trendy as we move forward closer to the players. Maybe next week we'll talk about what outfits we should wear if if the weather, uh, or in two weeks, uh, when we get a little bit closer to the weather. All right, we will be back. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tartlet on 10 to Next on 2.5 FM. Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans. A couple updates in the world of college baseball. Currently, Florida leads North Florida 3-0. That's uh, the last score update that I have. That was in the bottom of the third. And looks like, actually, now Florida just scored. So it is 4-0, Florida over North Florida. And then over on the JU-FSU side, FSU currently leads JU 4-1. And that game is in the top of the fifth. So, like we said, lots of good college baseball going on tonight. And then, uh, by the way, tomorrow, if you're interested in softball, Florida, who is in town right now playing baseball, will be here at UNF playing softball. So really good, uh, really good athletics. That first game tomorrow, first pitch is at 4 o'clock at UNF, and I believe is it, a, it is a double header. And so the second game, yes, the second game will be 6.30. So, again, so many good athletics uh, here on the First Coast. And, by the way, congratulations to whoever just won the tickets to the Wednesday practice round and the $25 gift card to the players. And thank Alyssa. you again. Alyssa, congratulations, Alyssa. And we love having our female listeners call in and win. And thanks again to Miranda 
for coming in. We'll talk to her in two weeks. All right, time now to listen to this week's highlights. Take it away, JJ. North Florida men's basketball's narrow defeat over Kennesaw State 82-81. Season high with 22. Lanier has 23. He goes past Robinson. Lanier to the rack. He's fouled and won. Josiah Miles up here at the line. Robinson throws it up at the horn. And it's short in North Florida. Wins on the road 82-81. The Jacksonville Icemen set a new club record for point streak as they beat Savannah on Sunday 4-2. Cross ice, great look for Grando, centering feed, SCORE! Derek Lodermeyer, the Ghostbuster again! It's 3-2 Jacksonville! Who you gonna call? <laughs> Lodermeyer does it again! His eighth goal against Savannah! Caitlin Clark broke the NCAA women's basketball scoring record drilling one from the logo. Covered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? There it is! She said she wanted to get it from the logo. This Caitlin Clark on a mission. The most Caitlin Clark way to get a bucket. I mean, we are talking well inside the middle of the Mediacom logo. You have a hand down when she crosses half court. Caitlin Clark has been making people pay since her freshman year in Iowa City. Nobody. I think those were three highlights that are very fitting to our personalities. Uh, I went with UNF and certainly a, a massive moment in that game for Chaz Lanier, who has just been stellar all season long. Uh, you cannot say enough good things about what he's done for the Ospreys this season. And yeah, like you just heard, UNF beat Kennesaw State 82-81 in an important game. And UNF, Mia, is eyeing a pl home playoff game, trying to get to be even the two seed but uh, certainly, hopefully, going to be the four-seater hire. Yep, Chaz Lanier, his third A-Sun men's basketball player of the week honors as well. Surprised it's not more at this point, honestly. Yeah, with Chaz, it's just so funny. And like, I've tried explaining this to people. From my time, obviously, working on the sidelines and doing play-by-play -play with ESPN Plus over at UNF, like, when you're around the program, Chaz was like the lovable goofball last year. He was the six-man even if he did start, he was probably averaging, you know, three to four points per game. He was more goofy than anything else. And all of a sudden, he is the A-Suns leading scorer. Like, all of a sudden, like a year later. That is a testament to Matthew Driscoll and his staff's development of him as a player. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a testament to Chaz's hard work. But it's so funny for me to, like, wrap my head around, and I've said it to multiple people who work in the marketing department, work in communications and ticket sales, like, across the board. Like, this time a year ago, we were talking about him being such a goofball. And, like, some of the goofy things he would say off air. Mm -hmm. And now, like, hello? I mean, I, listen, I don't want to put that evil out into the universe, but, like, let's be real. There's probably a Power 5 institution that is ready and willing to give and him a, put it in yeah, the universe. Yeah, a six-figure deal next year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it, it sounds like he knew he had to kind of take a leadership role on a bit. And some guys, when that when they get that, it's like, oh, okay, now I have this extra responsibility and something can click inside them. And it sounds like it's kind of that situation with him. And I remember a few weeks ago we were – I don't remember why we mentioned him too because you were kind of telling a similar story about it. And I was like, but did he lose his goofiness? And it's probably the thing, though, where now he's on the basketball court and he knows he has to be that leader. So not saying that he can't be, like, fun and quirky anymore, but – 
Yeah, there's always a time and place, yeah, yeah depending on, on your role. To your point about um, the potential of hosting a playoff game in the A-Sun tournament, Lauren, it's kind of a logjam. Um, Eastern Kentucky has all but wrapped up um, the A-Sun regular season conference crown. Technically, they haven't officially wrapped it up, but 10-2, and two, a one-game lead over Stetson, who's been a fun surprise story in the A-Sun this year, who currently holds that second seed. And then it's a three-way tie between Austin P, Lipscomb, and North Florida. Austin P has won five games in a row since losing to JU a yeah. few weeks ago. Um, one of the hottest teams, North Alabama, was right there with them until they lost as well. And so it's kind of a logjam with those three teams, Austin P, Lipscomb, and North Florida sitting at 8-5. and five. North Alabama not far behind at 7-6, and six, so they're not out of it either. But again, uh, it's the top four seeds that would host the first round of the A-Sun tournament. Right. The top two get to host the neutral 7-8 and then 9 Nine, ten games. Uh, so, yeah, that that's certainly what UNF is hoping for. And a huge game this Friday night, UNF at JU, second part of the River City Rumble, going to be just a phenomenal atmosphere if you've never been to Swisher Gymnasium. It gets so loud in there. I'd be surprised if it's not already sold out, but if it's not, uh, certainly get your tickets ASAP. All right, Taylor, did you go with the Iceman? I did. The Red the Hot Iceman. Iceman. Yes, they're playing really good hockey right now. They're 10-0-1 in their last 11 games, and so 11 straight games where they've earned at least a point because the one overtime loss, uh, you still earn one point for that. And so they're just they're playing so good, and it looked like there were moments in December, um, and, and I know Dan, Dan and Jeff have Coach Luco on every week, and he, even now when they're on this streak, is still kind of like, well, we still have work to do. He's That's just <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, nope, I'm not getting excited over this yet, but they're tied. I I guess technically third, um, but number one and two in the East uh, in Greenville and the Thunder are both tied with 70 points and the Icemen are four points behind them. So technically four points out of first place in the East and they're fifth in the entire league. So definitely, um, unless something just, there's still a decent amount of games. I want to say 20 something games left. So a lot of season, um, but unless something just drastically changes in how they're playing right now, because they, nobody can stop them from scoring at this point, which has been really fun to watch. Uh, we'll be definitely looking at some higher seeding of playoff games, which would be really fun. Really, really fun. And for people who've never been to an Iceman game, they should absolutely, so much fun and especially any I feel like any playoff experience is fun but hockey playoffs are just a whole different world and Mia no surprise (laughs) none at all when it happened last week you were working play-by-play is that correct yes I was calling the the women's River City Rumble so I wasn't even working sidelines where I like could have had the game pulled up like I quite literally one of our uh one of our talented uh guys on the booth our DV operator had to literally like tap me on the shoulder and be like oh oh, she did it to like point it out to me because I was like in the middle of calling yeah you can't exactly multitask calling. yeah I thought I would be able to but thankfully he and uh, he and the wonderfully talented Nancy Miller were both like uh look look Mia and I was like oh Cool, because you problem, knew she'd do it. Right. Well, the problem was it was Sunday. eight points. Correct. Eight points for her is, I mean, quite literally, she started the game on an eight-zero run, and yeah. there, there you go. There's the record. They're like. That wasn't an anomaly. That happens every other game. And so it was one of those things where, um, you know, you accepted like, okay, it's uh, it's going to happen in the first quarter most likely, oh, and yep. I'm probably going to be on the air, and and that's okay. But it was a great win for the Hawks as well, even though, uh, as Caitlin noted post game, uh, she has, you know, everyone's like asking her about how it feels. And she's like, honestly, we need to play better defense. Can't believe we gave up 89 <laughs> points tonight. That was a really high-scoring women's basketball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know. That's kind of been Iowa's Achilles heel throughout the last 15 years. Uh, when The, the opposite offense, of football. The, I know, I <laughs> yes, there is some irony there. Um, Very and, ironic. And it definitely is a, is a cold hard truth on the men's side um, where 
Fran McCaffrey is renowned for putting together great offensive uh, squads and then defensively. It's just, he, it's too complicated. So I have a question for you. When it comes to what we saw Saturday night, Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu yes. in the three-point shooting, which I thought was phenomenal. They did a great job with the whole thing. Will Caitlin Clark take the place of or be in addition to Sabrina yes. Ionescu this time next year? Yes. Okay. I, I think I had at least four people come up to me in the last four days and say, Caitlin's going to do it next year, right? And I had an even better point brought up to me over the weekend, and I said, Gus Johnson is really the only person banging the drum for the truth of the matter, which is Caitlin Clark should be playing in the Olympics for Team USA this summer. Um, we have not had, not seen a college player on the American team since Christian Leitner in the 90s, in which there was a special exemption that had to be made, even though he was also a graduating senior, like Caitlin would be if she opts to not come back for that fifth year next year. And so it's going to, I mean, it should be an easy paperwork process. And I say easy, and then I say the NCAA in the same sentence, and that doesn't really make sense. Um, But I I mean, I think she should be in the pool at the very least. I think she should be on the team too. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be, for everyone who questions, well, if she leaves for the WNBA, what's her marketability? If she's leading the way for Team USA, and mind you, there are some extremely talented women on the United States national team, but if Caitlin Clark is on the roster, all of a sudden Gatorade, Nike, all those, all the NIL deals she has, they just pivot. They just pivot to, all right, we're right into the Olympics, mm-hmm. and then we're going to go into the, well, first we'll be in the WNBA, then we'll go to the Olympics, then back to the WNBA. Like, I keep saying to people, Gatorade is not going to drop her just because she's graduating from college. Nike is not going to drop her, especially after those awesome shirts, which, yes, I already ordered mine, um, with the if you break it, you own it shirts. Like, they're just not going to drop her because she's graduating from college. Well, I saw a headline on USA Today Sports that was basically like, what is better for Caitlin Clark financially, another year of college or going to the WNBA? And it's a more complicated matter, certainly, because of all the different layers and, and the Olympics aside, though. She certainly has a tough decision to make. I was surprised to see Paige Beckers decide to come back for another season. But at the same time, if your NIL is so lucrative and you love college and you're getting maybe Mm -hmm. a second degree, like, why not? Yeah, the boys at the Ringer were debating the whole Paige Beckers situation because the only people who aren't happy about Caitlin Clark's success, besides those haters of me here locally in Jacksonville, um, are the UConn fans because they feel like their their star has been taken away. Even to their credit, even Kim Mulkey, Angel Reese, Dawn Staley, they have all extended the olive branch because they recognize what Caitlin is doing. She's going to break the overall NCAA record record um I'm blanking on the woman's name but it was like some NAIA Kansas 1960 some odd before they kept stats because she obviously passed Kelsey Plum which is the modern era record Mm -hmm. even though we know she's I think it's 80 points away from this other record she's also 98 points away from Pete Maravich she averages over 30 points a game like she's going to pass Pete Maravich and I think Kim Mulkey Dawn Staley, like all those folks, they understand it. The UConn folks do, because obviously they know their basketball up there. But I get where there's some sour grapes because Paige Beckers was on this trajectory. She was the first ever unanimous national player of the year as a true freshman. And now she's just been through the gauntlet of injuries over the last two years. And it absolutely stinks for her. And we don't really know what her long-term play will be at the professional level because of all those surgeries, because of the, you know, the frailty of her legs, if you may. I I don't like using that term, but I heard it this morning on a podcast. I was like, "Mm." I wouldn't say she's frail, but clearly an ACL tear, several significant ankle and knee injuries. Um, And so, yeah, so for somebody like that, where you don't have a Ionescu or a Caitlin Clark instant 
or Aaliyah Boston, for that matter, who has been fantastic on Peacock and NBC as an analyst. She's really come into her own on the on-air side of things. So she's doing that in the offseason. Sabrina Ionescu has all these deals and is going against Steph in a three-point contest. Mm -hmm. They don't have to play overseas internationally like so many other women in the WNBA have to financially because they don't make enough money during the W season. And so that's where with Caitlin, I don't think she's going to have to play internationally. It'll be curious to see what she decides, though, to then do with her off-season plans. Like, Ionescu's fiancé plays for the Raiders, and they kind of just, you know, she goes around and does camps mm-hmm. and does marketing and models and stuff, and Aaliyah Boston's doing on-air stuff. So I don't know what Caitlin, if she opts for the professional route. I am very curious to see what she does in her spare time. Um, personally, I expect her to follow in the footsteps of Megan Gustafson and Allie Disterhoff. She will get her MBA virtually from the University of Iowa. Fully expect that. Um, But that's really the only thing I can tell you right now, Like aside from getting her MBA. What happens to Iowa? And that's not even just talking about, like, like just obviously the game and being able to win. But in addition, I I sent you the video over the weekend of there's a a room of kids, probably little girls from 8 to 12, having a watch party to watch Caitlin Clark and this and you would hope that things like that could continue because they're finally getting the attention that a lot of a lot of them feel but what happens to just Iowa basketball it's a great question um I think we're already in terms of on court success Mm -hmm. unfortunately for Iowa we're already kind of seeing it I say it all the time and this is with all due respect you can have three bigs on your roster but you really have none we see it in the NBA we see it in men's college basketball we're seeing it with Iowa Monica Sinano was an unsung hero a year ago um, it took so much pressure off Caitlin. Caitlin has to be near perfect, has to be great for them to have real success. Um, now, with that said, do I see them making a deep playoff run so long as nobody catches them? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the lack of the interior presence will probably catch up to them at some point because it already has at times this year. Um, and then, of course, you couple that with if Caitlin leaves, Molly Davis will be out of eligibility. Kate Martin will be out of eligibility. Gabby Marshall. Those last two have been starters for the last four years. Mm. And so you're not just losing Caitlin, you'd lose two other four-year starters and your sixth, your point guard this year, but your sixth player off the bench a year ago. So it would be a very young team. And that's what's been so funny, though, to your point. They have Iowa playing in all the showcases. Like, they're doing a female version of the Champions Classic next year, and Iowa's playing in it, which, I mean, hey, they they went to the Final Four in the 90s, too. It's a historic program with C. Vivian Stringer. I get it. But like, if I, she's back though, they want to make sure that, that she's that right. there. But yeah. if she's not yeah. back, I'm yeah. thinking like, she's not back. It I'm might like, be South Carolina ugly. and Virginia Tech are going to like pulverize them. <laughs> um, no, Iowa will be fine. They will be a tournament team. Mm-hmm. To the bigger picture, Taylor, I'm genuinely curious mm-hmm. because is this all for one player and the style she plays? Yeah. Or is this truly a moment? I'll say this across the board, and unfortunately, so many of them are matriculating and graduating between Van Lith and Angel Reese down at LSU, Beckers, AZ Fudd up at UConn, uh, Juju, what she's been able to do at USC. You can name more female college basketball players this season than you can men if you go up to someone random on the street Mm -hmm. right now. And some of them will be back next year because they still have eligibility. A lot of them won't. And so that's where it's going to be fascinating to see. I hope for everybody involved that they've learned how to market these young women yeah. and they continue to do so and that the next Caitlin Clark is just around the corner. Um, but I think, you know, the they said it on One Shining Podcast on Friday. They were like uh, on the ringer. The only player, athlete, that you can compare this to, and even then it may not even, like it's probably exceeded that, is Steph Curry when he was at Davidson. 
And even then, it was not the NIL era. He couldn't be in commercials. As is, there were these posters and T-shirts that they made of the Davidson team that went to the Sweet 16 or whatever they went to that year. And, like, Steph Curry actually couldn't profit off of it. She's on every State Farm commercial. Like, she's hanging out with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Like, you can't escape her. And that's where it's just unlike anything we've seen. And I don't know. I mean, I'll still be following Iowa women's basketball. I'll still be following women's college basketball. But... It's a, it's a big decision. The Indiana Fever do have the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft. I think that would be a great landing spot. They love their basketball. Wow. Um, Aaliyah Boston was the number one pick last year. I actually already started workshopping in my brain um, the mock-up I'm going to make. If it's going to be Trevor and Trayvon, and I'm going to put Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin <laughs> Clark. And, uh, yeah, because that's what that's the same vibes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, don't, I won't even get into her how her boyfriend works for the Pacers, because so that's a story for another time. Um, but, yeah. Um, it, I think, I think it, it's any- all falling into place. And I think, if anything, it's still beneficial because so many people now – because Caitlin Clark is who she is as a basketball player, but also everyone's seeing her face. And you know once she goes to the NBA, she's still going to be that person who loves college basketball and is going to be talking about college basketball. So at least for the next few years, you'll probably still see some interest. I'm just – I'm interested beyond that. And I guess you are just hoping that the next Caitlin comes up somewhere. Well, the, the test case is there are virtually no women – WNBA players that anyone can name like yeah. currently yeah. former yes but yeah. currently yep so that'll be the test case is yeah and, and we talked about Sabrina obviously because the three-point shooting contest but and Brittany Griner I think they would the casual yes. may now yes unfortunately they, for some other I was things. gonna say for less on court and yeah. more off court but that's the thing and so that'll be the test case I think do people yeah. actually start following the WNBA we've got one segment to go keep it right here on 10 to next only 2.5 FM Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Taylor Dahl, Mia O'Brien, Jadil Silva, I'm Lauren Brooks with you until 8 o'clock. And then we turn it over to Rick Ballou. So just a few more minutes. All right, we just had an interesting conversation about women's college basketball and Mia, when it comes to men's college basketball, my Florida Gators are finally ranked. They ended up AP top 25 for the first time this season, coming in at number 24 after uh, winning, what, seven out of the last eight, nine out of the last ten. I'm losing track. We're winning so much. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we in Gainesville have so much to brag about these days, so uh, I know you're sick of us bragging. But you actually believe that USF and FAU are better than Florida. Is that correct? No. I mean, I think Florida's, <laughs> you know, I just, I, listen. Any, Wait a minute. That is chance, not what your Twitter said. Any chance I I can seize upon you Florida Gator fans where you're just – Why we are innocent and we are defeated right now. Exactly. That's why it's fun. Um, I do think (laughs) we used to be so incredibly obnoxious that I understand why people hate our (laughs) families. I was kidding. Right. And for what it's worth, like I I voted Florida in my AP ballot this week. Let's go. I didn't. I put them at 22. I did not put Florida Atlantic, um, who I believe is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde. Um, But. The yeah, fight. disappointing seasons thus far for them. Yeah, I mean, they're going to make the tournament. They probably are going to have a higher seed than USF, despite the fact that USF probably wins the league um, and at nothing else gets like a, a 12th seed as an at-large bid by virtue of winning the American regular season title. But I couldn't help but watch that game on Sunday between USF and FAU, which was ultimately won by the Bulls in their home on their home floor. I couldn't help but come away from it, A, 
once again impressed with what Amir Abdurrahim has been able to do in year one. Mm-hmm. And shout out to our boy, Jose Placer, um, formerly of the University of North Florida. Um, Imagine he and Lanier together this year. I mean, the crazy part is, is he was playing against Amir Abdurrahim and Chris Youngblood, who's the star of that USF team, was the star at Kennesaw State, came with him to Tampa. Jose hit a buzzer beater to beat them last year. At UNF Arena, I called the game. <laughs> I called the game winner. So, like, that's what's so weird for me. Um, but you take that bias aside. Like, this was a program that hadn't won more than 10 games in eons. And he has completely turned it around. They are in first place in the American. They beat FAU on Sunday. However, they were up 25 in that game. And FAU came all the way back. And that is where, for you Owls fans out there, I do believe in you come March. I don't agree with this notion that FAU is like the Chiefs, and they're just going to turn it on right after Christmas, you know, three weeks before the playoffs, and suddenly everything's hunky-dory and they go on to win the whole thing. I don't believe that that's possible in college basketball, but I do believe that veteran guards and players who have been there before, I believe that that does come to fruition come March. Um, I think the notion of they were going to bring their whole starting five back, get Dusty May to return to Boca, run it back, and they were just going to go – 38-0 38-0 and win the national title. Like, that was that was a fever dream. That was never actually going to happen, and I think they would tell you that too. It's been a lot harder than they thought it would be. However, when you're going up against teams that haven't been there before, like Florida's group, FAU has been there before, mm-hmm. and they've been in a Final Four. That entire starting five played in a Final Four last year, and so that's where, yes, in the short term and in terms of who they're playing – Yes, Florida is ranked. FAU is not, at least on my ballot. Thank you. Um, and yes, Florida's playing <laughs> great basketball right now. There's, are. I just think come that push comes are. to shove, and that's nothing against Florida's, you know, roster, which has been producing. Like it's more so for me, and I understand there's plenty of you out there that are saying, "Well, this guy, he played in a postseason tournament with this team he was with. They haven't played together in a postseason tournament. That's the thing. FAU has five dudes." that played how many games in March together last year and played on the biggest of stages and shocked the world. And so that's where, in terms of buying stock, um, I was a little surprised last week when I saw the odds to win the national title. Florida was, I think, like the 10th or 12th best. And I was like, what? And it was the same as South Carolina, who at the time had not gotten boat raced by Auburn (laughs) and gotten upset by LSU. And I was like, man, they have the same odds? Um, Well, clearly Vegas knew something I didn't. Um, So, yeah, so if nothing else, Vegas believes in Todd Golden, too. Hey, when you watch Florida, obviously you watch the guards and and you come away so impressed with Zion Pullen and Walter Clayton Jr. But it's the other guys that Todd Golden has gotten in the mix that have been so impressive. I mean, a lot of teams would have had Riley Kugel as a starter and run with that all season long. And and Todd Golden figured out that it's better for Kugel to come off the bench. It's just better for him, I think, emotionally. And that challenges him. And he plays better like that. And I mean, he still has games where he is a turnover machine. But overall, and then obviously you just saw... In the most recent game, you've got Thomas Houck coming out of nowhere, basically against Georgia uh, for the 17 points and all those threes. And so tomorrow night, Florida at Alabama going to be a massive challenge. Uh, but two teams that are very di- built very differently. And so uh, that'll be a lot of fun. I have a concert that starts. Well, the opening act starts tomorrow night. Two concerts in one Whoa. week, by the way. Who am I? Uh, the the opening act starts at 8 p.m. <laughs> I know. And on school nights. Uh, that is correct. Um the concert, the opening act starts at eight. The game starts at seven. So I'm thinking I get to watch 
pretty much most of the game before I have to really mm-hmm. focus on uh, the person I'm seeing uh, who is Drake White. All right, real quick gymnastics update before we say hello to Rick Ballou. No Rick Ballou, by oh, the way. Oh, that's right. Rick's off all week. We got Hacker. That's hacker. right. We Of course we have Hacker. Uh, Rick, I saw, was going to see you 2 in Vegas at the yeah. Sphere, so that's a, that's a pretty good time. All right, so in gymnastics, Florida won the quad meet against number 14, Missouri, Illinois, and Lindenwood. And Florida has now, every single week, had a better score than the week previous. Wow. Isn't that impressive? That's good. I mean, obviously, like, that's not, that's how you, if you're Jenny Rowland, the head coach, that's how you would draw it up, but that does not normally happen. Uh, And so Florida currently fifth on the vault, seventh on bars, 12th on the floor, but second in the country on the balance beam, which is obviously the most nerve wracking. And then massive uh, meet Friday night. Florida versus LSU, LSU third in the country, 645 Friday night. Uh, I will be at a wedding on Friday. And so I I know. So (laughs) this is what I did. I decided uh, since I'm off next week. So got to cram it all in this week. Uh, Super excited about my friend's wedding uh, on Friday. Might have to have the phone, you know, occasionally checking on that Florida gymnastics score. And with that, let's say hello to Ryan the Hacker Green. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. I know you're not the biggest baseball fan, Hack, but are you following along with this Florida UNF score? I've kept updated on it. I don't yeah. know if I can be breaking down the X's no, you're and good. I just saw, rosters. I just saw Florida's up 7 nothing. Jack Caglione just had a two-run home run. He's Florida's version of Otani. Well, it's nice that finally so It's a tough night for your alma mater. It's yes. a tough night for the alma mater, but I saw what the two St. John's games got rained out. The only one that got in, yep. St. John's beat them, so That's not correct. a great start for the Gators. Not a great start. That's true on Friday. And, and I said to Frank and Hayes, too, like, JU and UNF knew the weather was coming, so they – Instead of doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, they moved their Saturday game to Friday. So they did a double header because they knew the weather was going to be terrible on Saturday, pretty much on Sunday. And yet Florida said, no, we're good. And so who knows? Their, their stadium, it's brand new. It can fight anything. Uh, yeah, other than bad weather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm still shook from you calling him Ryan and, and not me being like, wait. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get that a lot. No, you're speaking of weather. I was in Orlando. Uh, interestingly enough, I went to Disney World, if Shocking. you can believe that or not. And it was raining down there on Sunday. I got to tell you, that was the most fun I've had in a long time. Really? You just walk on every ride. I mean, you got to deal with it being wet, right? Yeah. You got to deal with it being cold. But we probably did 20 rides. And we'll see what happens if me and Forrest get sick or not. The, <laughs> my mom and, and Heidi weren't exactly thrilled about being there, so they did a lot of the indoor stuff. But Smart. he had a great time, and we went from one ride to the next to the next. So, yeah, if it's ever raining on a, on some Saturday, <laughs> that's the time to go to Disney World because there was nobody there. Wow. I guess that is smart as far as getting the rides in. Did you have rain jackets? Uh, yeah, I put a poncho on him. He was in like five <laughs> layers. I had a backwards cap and a sweatshirt, and I was good to go. And All is right. it true? Are the rumors true? Have you started a certain – I don't want to say cult. That sounds really bad. A certain program today. Oh, oh, yes, yes. I, I, I guess we can mention that. Um, uh, as far as I know, we can mention that. Only because that's why I look back at your Disney experience and I'm like, man, I hope you went out with a bang. Oh, did I? Before There's... you got on the Awaken 180 oh, grind man. with I, the rest of 1010. I ate everything imaginable in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> num, 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 num. Because, yeah, today I did start Awaken 180. I've seen what happened with Mike uh, and, and with Matt 
And uh, yeah, I started it today, and I feel great. You know, one day in, and I think I'm going to start <laughs> doing. Uh, yeah, hey, you know, it's a good start. Uh, Not I think feeling I'm the s- turkey legs from, uh, from no, over the weekend. No, we we actually had leftovers that uh, sadly will not be eaten. So uh, I think Heidi will be enjoying those. But uh, no, it's great. It's a great program, and uh, I'll be talking more about these in the uh, coming weeks. Sounds good. All right. So are you living, dying, living and dying with every Florida men's basketball game? Man, um, boy, uh, where are all the Mike White people at? You know, Dan Hick and Jeff Prosser, uh, assorted people that love Mike White, this, that, and the other. Uh, this is what Florida basketball should be. I mean, Todd Golden's beat him four times in a row now. They're number 24 in the country. They're a seven seed in Lenardi's new bracketology, and it's going great. And look, give them credit. What they're lacking in the transfer portal in football, they're more than making up for in basketball. Walter Clayton is a stud. And he was from down the road. Yeah. And right. somehow got out of the state. Lake Wales, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a family in Lake Wales. Zion Pullen is a stud. Absolutely. Tyree Samuel, other than the horrific free throw shooting, <laughs> is a stud. And I cannot pronounce Hanlockton. Is that Hanlockton? Micah Hanlockton. That guy is fantastic. He's like, however you say it, he's great. Right. Yeah. Just <laughs> great be, hair. Be great seven heroes. foot, stand in the middle and block shots, brother. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. And then and, the freshman, Alex Condon and, and Thomas Howe. Yeah. And, and then obviously Kugel and Will Richard. It's a fun team yeah. to watch. And it's a team that could win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. It, it's funny. I don't know that I've been this excited for the SEC men's basketball tournament in a long time. And I'm already like, could could Florida win the SEC men's? I think they potentially can't. Now, they got boat raced by Tennessee earlier in the season. Yeah, they did. That was bad. And we'll see what happens tomorrow night at, at Alabama. Yeah, what's up with still. that? A 6 o'clock local start in Tuscaloosa? That's odd, right? We're two top 25 teams. I know these games are scheduled pretty yeah. far in advance. but They only care about Eastern, though. Right. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but 6 o'clock, and I'll, maybe that's to Florida's advantage. Maybe the uh, students we can't get too rowdy. We said that about the, uh, the trip to Knoxville and how that turned <laughs> Well, that's out. true. That's a good point. Not that's so a good, good point. But, yeah, that was a different team. We've come a long way since then. <laughs> All right, what's coming up tonight, Hack? Uh, yeah, a lot of Jaguar talk. I, in fact, uh, I'm trying to get different opinions, and me, I'm sure you know, Daniel Griffiths. He does work with a Jaguar report with John Shipley. So this guy, I'm going on Twitter every day and he is throwing out ridiculous numbers and uh, analytics. And I'm just like, wow, just some of these things are mind blowing when it comes to the Jaguars. So we're going to have Daniel on at 820 to kind of talk about that. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Also, Justin Mello of the Draft Network talking draft and Justin does some work with the Tennessee Titans as well. So we'll talk a little Derrick Henry, a little Brian Callahan era up in Nashville. That comes up in the nine o'clock hour. Oh, in the nine o'clock hour, All right? Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. Had to All do right. the math in our head there. I was uh-huh. like, I was like, is that the right time frame? Yeah. By, by the way, I know that you guys are used to this. I'm usually in here solo. Correct. Four people at <laughs> this table is an experience. You should see I'm, prime I'm, time in here with Leon. Oh, hey, Lauren's talking to me. I'm like, should I be looking at Taylor? I'm not making eye contact. This is this is odd. So I'm gonna bounce out. I'll see you guys in a little bit. All right. Thanks, Hacko. Well, we'll see you tomorrow for Crosstalk with the Frazier Show. There'll be four of us again then, and you'll oh, figure boy. out who to look at. All right, for me, O'Brien, for Taylor Dahl, for J.J. Salva, I'm Lauren Brooks. And by the way, next week, Taylor Dahl, Tom McManus. Yes. J.J. is off on his honeymoon. Have a great time, J.J. I know you will. Have an absolute blast. Uh, Mia's up in Indianapolis at the Combine, and I am also on vacation. Uh, so we will be back with you full show in two weeks, but Taylor and Tommy Mack have it next week. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your evening on Tintinx on 2.5 FM.